Flawcast 177, Until You Suffer Some. If you had not suffered as you have, there would be no depth to you as a human being. No humanity, no compassion. Eckhart Tolle. Flawcast. Get in the arena. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you're listening to this, thank you for tuning in to another fun-filled, triggering, hopefully convicting episode of Flawed Cast. I'm riding solo this week. Uh, Carl couldn't make it. He had a couple last-minute family emergencies, so I'll say some prayers for them, but also uh, look for the next episode, which uh, he is going to be returning and be just loaded double barrels blasting so uh but you're gonna have to suffer with my tomfoolery and my shenanigans this week uh and uh i'm hopeful that you'll uh put up with it but nonetheless i'm going to get into the shake and howdy and then get into the meat and potatoes of this episode and we are asking you to share please share these episodes it's probably getting to be like um you know background noise as we're saying that but we need you to share we are asking that you sharing would help increase the people that are hearing these words and we just feel like these words are so important right now because this is the word of God and, and, and what he's instilling and inspiring in us. And there aren't a lot of places that I really believe that are in that mode. And I'm hopeful that increasing, I'm hopeful that people are getting uh, revelation and, and fresh manna from uh, heaven, but uh, we are doing the best we can to provide that. So um, you can sh- uh, share us. You can just tell people we're anywhere podcasts are, or you can share the link. Uh, Flawedcast CLE. We're on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Breaker, and Anchor.fm. We are also on the video platform Rumble under Flawed Inc. And I want to welcome and thank all of our new followers there. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for the thumbs up and, and liking. And thank you for all the new uh, five-star reviews on Apple. We appreciate that so, so much. That helps not just and um, our visibility, but it helps keep morale up around here. So uh, I'm a cup half empty kind of guy if most people haven't noticed. But those kind of things do help uh, you know, improve the uh, overall mood and, and design to really want to get out there and make a difference, which we're trying to do. You can find us on the Project Mockingbird social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're also on Getter and Gab, all under Flawed Inc. In the description, there's a link to pick up a copy of my book, Smith's Heart of Man Repair Manual. I've been steadily for the last two weeks working on my new one and just pumping that out. So uh, I feel a new uh, sense of urgency and and, and divine inspiration. So um, I'm I'm hopeful that's going to come out uh, before Christ comes back. But uh, nonetheless, uh, you can also email us at flawedincle at gmail.com. If you'd like a copy of my book and can't afford one, send us an email and I'll be more than happy to send you a PDF on the house. But I'm going to get into this episode and I'm just going to say that this is a hard one. And, uh, you know, even before Carl and I was talking, like, this is what I really feel impressed. Uh, and, and I really feel like this is what God was speaking to me. So, I, I, you know, here it is. I'm not apologizing. It's convicted me. And really, uh, the last, like, couple of weeks I've been sitting on this, I've really been dwelling about what I'm getting ready to share 
And uh, there's a lot of scriptures. I'm going to encourage you guys to go back and read them and ingest them and let them marinate in your spirit. But we're going to start here with Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 to 10. But uh, verse 8 is really what we're going to pick up on. So this is from the Amplified Version. It says, In the days of his earthly life, Jesus offered up both specific petitions and urgent supplications for that which he needed with fervent crying and tears to the one who was always able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission towards God his sinless and his unfailing determination to do what the Father's will. This is verse 8. Although he was a son who had never been disobedient to the Father, he learned active, special obedience through what he suffered. I'm just going to read that again. He learned obedience through what he suffered. Uh, It's going to be important. I'm going to hit on that. And have, verse 9, and having been made perfect, uniquely equipped and prepared as Savior, and having retained his integrity amid opposition, he became the source of eternal salvation and eternal inheritance to all those who obey him, being designated by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Uh, I'm going to read this from the message uh, once again. So here it says, while he lived on earth, anticipating death, Jesus cried out in pain and wept in sorrow as he offered a priestly prayers to God. Because he honored God, God answered him. Though he was God's son, he learned trusting obedience by what he suffered, just as we do. Then having arrived at the full stature of his maturity and having been announced by God as high priest in the order of Melchizedek, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who believingly obeyed him. Now I'm going to go back to verse 8. This is the crux of what we're going to be talking about. Although he was a son who had never been disobedient to the Father, he learned active and special obedience through what he suffered. Christ himself learned to be obedient through what he suffered. A lot of you may know, I I really do enjoy uh, Francis Chan, like reading what he writes, and I, I really, really get a lot out of his messages. And about six months ago, I heard that. And the idea that Jesus himself learned obedience through his suffering. And I have read this, you know, a bunch of times. And it just always kind of glossed over and never really hit me. But listening to Francis Chan and then really kind of marinating and going, as he was speaking, just going into the Bible for myself and really highlighting it and, and just pondering it. I sat on this for so long because I knew that this was something that needed to be discussed and I would bring out, but I knew it had to be at a, at a specific time. I want us to really, really think about the Christ, the Messiah, uh, the Yeshua HaMashiach, the Lamb of God, the, the perfect one, the Alpha, the Omega, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lord of all who was in all and who all things have their being through had to learn obedience. And the method in which God the Father taught him obedience was his suffering. And, uh, you know, this is really what just, uh, and I just wrote this down. This is what came to me. And this is, this is something I really, I'm asking you guys to really focus and concentrate on because this is how we make a difference. Okay. Christ himself, 
he learned obedience through his suffering. And Jesus had to learn. So it says in Hebrews that Jesus himself had to learn to be obedient. And the way that he did that was through the suffering that the father put him through. That according to this verse, that Christ was, you know, it it says here um, in the Amplified that he was a perfect son. And that is absolutely true. But there was a, a deeper level of obedience that the only way he could learn that was through his suffering. And we certainly can see that in uh, the, the Garden of Gethsemane when, you know, he's basically like, um, yeah, I don't really want to do this. Is there another way? You know, is there another way? And he, his suffering that he was enduring, not just on the, the cross, but that whole trial and, and, and being brought before the Sanhedrin, being brought before Pontius Pilate, the cat and nine tails, a crown of thorns, you know, having his beard pulled out and being spat on and, and kicked and um, being, you know, goaded and saying, you know, hey, prophesy who hit you, prophesy who kicked you, so on and so forth. And going through that process, and, and there was a lot of other suffering he went through on earth. One of his best friends betrayed him. He, several of his closest friends to him, you know, died. Like Lazarus, who was one of his best friends, died. He resurrected him. Uh, but And I always refer back to this in Isaiah 53. It says he was a man of sorrow acquainted with grief. I believe that the American church has done a very, very bad job of properly representing who Christ accurately is in the scripture. And this is what I want to say that I really felt God not just speak this to me, but to us as a whole is the fact that as a country, as a world, that we've been disobedient. And that there's a period of suffering that is going to come upon us. And that through that period of suffering, he is going to teach us to be obedient and render our hearts back to him. That we have been disobedient. This country has been disobedient. This world has been disobedient. So in a short while, great suffering is going to come. And and it's starting to happen in a lot of the world, but it's going to start happening to individual people. And as Christ learned obedience through his suffering, we need to be like Christ. We are Christians like Christ, like little Christ. There is no other exception. There is no other path that we need to be in that we have to learn to be obedient to the Father, the obedient to Christ, and that we're going to learn that through our suffering. And this is a, this is a very anti-American gospel, anti-new uh, age religion, new age Christianity philosophy. We have so many people out there that, you know, best life now, uh, you know, the prosperity, this and that. And, and it does not line up with the authenticity of the gospel. It does not line up with the authenticity of what the life Christ led here while he was on earth. And that doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to prosper, but the prospering that he's talking about, if it's contrary to his word, and, the pro- and if it's contrary to our soul and our spirit prospering as our outer man is dying. It's a complete contrast. So I want to get into a couple other verses that highlight this idea of suffering. So uh, it's coming from Peter, oddly enough, who, you know, was one of his closest allies or closest friends as he lived this earthly life. First Peter 3, 17, this is from the NIV. It says, for it is better if it's God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing 
evil. 1 Peter 4.12 from the NIV also says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening happening to you. So we're already learning, I'm not even done yet, but Peter's telling us, like, we have to suffer. We're going to suffer. Don't shun it. Don't be surprised. Be ready. Be prepared for it. Because through that suffering, as we learn in Hebrews, a greater level of obedience and a greater level of connectivity and closeness to Christ comes. First uh, Peter 5.10 from the Amplified says this, After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who imparts his blessing and favor, who called you to his own eternal glory in Christ, will himself complete, confirm, strengthen, and establish you, making you what you ought to be. So what Peter is confirming is this fact that it talks about, and you can just pontificate, but I believe it's there. If you look at like Christ's life, the idea of suffering and going through these hard things and and what, what God has put us through and what he's going to bring us through is how we learn obedience and obedience. The old Testament says is better than sacrifice. And, And we see a lot of sacrifice in expendable things, meaning things that aren't really going to, you know, it's not going to make a big never mind either way. The thing I want to continually point out is that Christ learned obedience through his suffering. Christ, once again, our Lord, our Savior, was taught to be obedient through the suffering he endured. And I want to bring this back to, you know, as I'm talking about on an individualistic level that you listening shouldn't shun the idea of suffering, that, that it brings a level of obedience in it. It humbles us. It brings us to a low stature that Christ will be able to exalt us in his time. But this is a key verse that I want to go back and just, as I felt like God was kind of warning me for us that a, suffer, a period of suffering is coming, but it's coming so that we can learn obedience, once again, on an individual level, and then I, I believe on a national level, on a global level. level. This is what First Peter 4, 17 to 18 says in the New International Version. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And If it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Uh, Let me read that back, because that's a verse that isn't really talked about often. It says that it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And when I was preparing this and I was led here to this portion in, in 1 Peter, I believe that it was confirming to me what God was speaking about. Now, I want to tell you that this isn't like all gloom and doom. This isn't necessarily like a lost cause. What I want to say is that we are strengthened. We are uh, being instructed. We are being loved through suffering. It is that suffering that draws us closer to God. It is that suffering and, and what we do during periods of suffering, suffering that purifies us. It, it's like going through a refiner's fire that as the impurities are being drawn out, we are broken. We are broken down. We are literally being molecularly changed on a spiritual level, if you will, to become more and more like God and more and more like Christ. Uh, once again, 
Just going to read this in 1 Peter 4, 17-8. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it's hard for righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? And what I want to say is that we have the ability, I believe, to shape destinies. We have the ability to call upon God and to ask him to help us, to ask us to intervene. I certainly see that uh, precedence in scriptures. You know, uh, obviously this is a real popular one. First Chronicles seven fourteen. This is from the Amplified. If my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek, crave, require as a necessity, my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. It, it's the idea that through this suffering, I believe it's to bring us back to this place where we are going to crave the presence of God. We are going to crave the face of God and not the hand, not the good things he brings us, but just simply crave him. That we need to get to, I, I need to get to back to a place where I require more of him as a very necessity for me to live. And this is an instruction and this is an encouragement to you who are listening or who you are going to share this to for the same thing in your life and what I believe is going to happen through America, through the world. And it's going to start with people who profess to be Christ, like who profess to be little Christians because the word says it that it's time for judgment to begin in the house of God. And things are going to be shaken. Things are going to begin to be shaken even more than they are. Uh, but I want to get back to this idea of calling and, and God and, and speaking to God. Um, and, and he will intervene. He will hear uh, us. And here's the story in Genesis chapter 18. I'm going to, uh, and this is with Abraham and Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, and I love this verse 16. It says, then the men got up from there and looked towards Sodom. And Abraham walked with them to send them on their way. The Lord said, shall I keep secrets from Abraham, my friend and servant? I love that. And Carl talked about that, you know, being a friend of God. And there is obviously a, a scriptural precedence for being a friend of God. And, and I believe, I, I hope I'm a friend of his, I'm trying to be. And, and I believe he's sharing this with me that I can share with you guys. But going on in, in verse 17, shall I keep secrets from Abraham, my friend and servant, that I, what I'm going to do, since Abraham is destined to become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. For I have known, chosen, and acknowledged him as my own, so that he may teach and command his children and his sons of his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is righteous and just, so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has promised him. And the Lord said, the outcry of the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great in their sin is exceedingly grave. I will go down now and will see whether they have acted as vilely and wickedly as an outcry which has come to me indicates, and if not, I will know. Now the two men of angelic beings turned away from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. And, and just to preface there, what happened was is that uh, two angels came down to rescue Lot and his family, who was um, Abraham's nephew. And the men of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah 
tried to rape the angels. Uh, this is all in Genesis. This is what happened. This is why Sodom and Gomorrah lives in such infamy. Um, so when, when we're talking about vileness, we're talking about um, just an intense evil. We can certainly see the parallels now in the times that we're in, especially within the church uh, of America. But this is really where I want to hit. So this is starting in verse number 23. Abraham approached the Lord and said, will you really sweep away the righteous, those who do right with the wicked, those who do evil? Suppose there are 50 righteous people within the city. Will you really sweep it all away and not spare it for the sake of 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it for you to do such a thing, to strike the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be it from you shall not the judge of all the earth do right by executing just and righteous judgment. So the Lord said, if I find within the city of Sodom 50 righteous people, then I will spare the entire place for their sake. 27, Abraham answered, now behold, I who am but dust in origin in ashes have decided to speak to the Lord. If five of the 50 righteous are lacking, will you destroy the entire city for a lack of five? And he said, if I find at least 45 righteous people there, I will not destroy it. Verse 29, Abraham spoke to him again and said, suppose only 40 are found there. He said, I will not do it for the sake of the 40 who are righteous. Then Abraham said to him, oh, may the Lord not be angry. And I speak, suppose 30 righteous people are found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. And he said, now behold, I have decided to speak to the Lord again. Suppose only 20 righteous people are found there. And the Lord said, I will not destroy it for the sake of the 20. Then Abraham said, oh, may the Lord not be angry with me. And I will speak only this once. Suppose 10 righteous people are found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of the 10. As soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, Abraham, the Lord departed and Abraham returned to his own place. So the reason I, I read that long, exhaustive thing is simply for two reasons. One, we find ourselves in a place now that mirrors a lot of what Sodom and Gomorrah in behavior and tone and cultural exhibition of what is quote unquote moral and what is a right thing. We see that is on display then as it is now. And there's a lot of similarities when you go back to uh, study what they were actually engaged in and what was going on. The other thing that we looked at is that Abraham, as being a friend of God, pleaded on behalf of the, you know, it's like, if there's 50 righteous, will you save it? Yeah, if there's 40, you know, and he, he almost bartered with them down to where he said, if there's 10 righteous, I will spare the city. So of those, the cry of his friend asking if there's 10 righteous people, will you spare the, the city? And God agreed, but when you go on to read, he couldn't find even 10. And only Abraham, nephew Lot, and their wife and children were able to leave. And then their instruction was, do not look back. When you do, you'll be turned into a pillar of salt. And Ab um, Lot's wife, who is what she's referred to as in the Bible, turned around and was turned into a pillar of salt. The thing we need to look at here is that there is a matter of disobedience that brings about suffering. I am not saying, nor did Hebrews 5, 8 say that Christ was disobedient. It says the contrary, that he was the perfect son. 
But what we need to look at and what we need to examine are the motives of our heart where we have been disobedient, where we have not been as close to uh, listening to what God has said, as close to his heart, as close to um, craving uh, and desiring his presence. Like it says here in the Amplified Version of First Chronicles or I'm sorry, Second Chronicles seven fourteen, that we have not required as a necessity God's face and not His hand, that His His presence, His His overwhelming uh, communion spiritually with Him, and then we seek His hand and we seek these lesser lovers. There is a season of suffering coming, and it's, I believe for individuals, it's going to look differently. Uh, one person's suffering could be another person's paradise. I don't know. But what I definitely feel in my heart and what I want to prepare people for is that individually, uh, on, a, on a more global level, uh, certainly in America, that a season and a time of suffering is coming. And it's not coming, I don't believe, because God is angry or God uh, hates people or God wants to destroy people. A, a lot of stuff happens simply because we're dumb knockers and we bring it upon ourselves. But what I believe this time that we're in, the suffering that's coming upon us is simply a demonstration of the love of God towards us, of the love of God towards his church is people in America and in the world. And that those people are able to be equipped and filled with the Holy Spirit and be sent out. That they're not going to be, and I'm talking to myself, I'm praying this for myself as well, that they're not going to be uh, compromised, that they're not going to be wooed by lesser lovers. And that through this, this season of suffering, I believe that people are going to be brought to a saving knowledge of Christ. So, I don't really want to sit here and belabor the point. In Hebrews 5, 8, I'm going to hit it again. Christ himself learned obedience to the Father from the suffering that he went through during his earthly life. We in the same way are coming upon a season that we are going to learn suffering, that we can learn a greater level of obedience towards the Father and be drawn closer to his heart, that the revelation of who the man Jesus is will be enlightened in our hearts and we will begin to live a life of purpose and of destiny directed towards his plan of creation for us. So I'm just going to pray real quick, um, and, and I hope this resonated with you guys. Lord, I, I thank you for sharing this with me. I thank you that um, you're, you're dealing with this with me for a, a while, and I've not probably met the requirements, but I'm asking that you have mercy, and I'm asking that you continue to put up with me. But Father, I pray right now for myself, and I pray for everyone listening that, that is interested in drawing closer to your heart, that want to be obedient to you, even if it means that they have to go through uh, suffering, that they will learn to require you, that they will learn to require your word, that your presence, that your face, God, will become uh, a, a necessity, that we will require your face, we will require your presence, we will require your word as a necessity, God. And I ask that you give us the faith, that you give us the strength, that as the word says that judgment is coming to the house of God, that you weed out the wheat and the shaft, and that you raise up those, God, who are being obedient, who are ad adhering to your call. And I pray for mercy and grace for all of us, God, that we can endure these days. And I know we'll be able to because you will be there with us. And I just thank you, God. I praise you, Jesus. Amen.
Uh, so this one is short and sweet, and uh, I, I hope that ministered. I hope it registered. And I'm asking you guys to share this. Once again, I don't believe these are things, but people are going to be hearing in most churches. It is essential that you're listening to this, that you know people that need to hear these kind of words. And I'm asking that you copy the link, you text it to them, you copy the link, you put it on your social media pages. I'm asking that you copy the link and email it. Please, I, I believe in my heart that these are messages that are timely and that people need to hear. So make sure that you share once again. We are anywhere you can listen to podcasts. We're on Flawcast CLE. Um, we're on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Breaker, Anchor.fm. We're on the video platform Rumble, all under Flawed Inc. We are on the Project Bucky Bird social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We are on Getter and Gab, all under Flawed Inc. There in the description, there's a link below to get a copy of my book, Smith's Heart of Man Repair Manual, uh, and our email is flawedinccle at gmail.com. And I, I just want to close this by reminding us that Jesus himself had to learn obedience through the suffering that the Father put him through. And if we are going to contend to be little Christians, if we're going to continue to be like Christ, we are exactly in the same position and we are going to go through and learn the same lessons.